This recording is in the public domain. Galatians, God's Answer to Legalism by B.B. Sutcliffe Read by Third Anchor Roman numeral number one Personal Chapter 1, verse 11 through chapter 2, verse 21 All apostolic authority upheld Received by revelation all authority as an apostle is of necessity bound up with the gospel he preached. If one is established, the other naturally follows. His gospel was given to him by revelation of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 11 through 24. He had received it neither from man nor by tradition. Verses 11 and 12. It was therefore apart from Judaism with which Paul was thoroughly familiar. It was well known how he had lived in Judaism and how eagerly he had followed it even to persecuting the church. It was also well known how he had made greater progress in it than any of his own age. Verses 13 and 14. But it was also well known that he had been saved neither in it nor by it, but from it. He had been saved not from idolatry or paganism, but from the very system the false teachers were attempting to introduce among the Galatians. Moreover, because his gospel came to him by revelation of Jesus Christ, it could not be said that he had received it from the other apostles. Verses 15 through 20. But when God, who had set Paul apart to be an apostle even from his birth, was pleased to reveal his Son in him, it was in order that he might preach him, not the law, among the Gentiles. Therefore, instead of conferring with the other apostles concerning his preaching, Paul had gone into Arabia, doubtless to have those three years of direct teaching and training from the Lord himself. Not until the three years were complete did he go to see Peter or other apostles, and then only as a visitor. It was from the risen Lord himself that his gospel, and therefore his authority, came. And he could say regarding this, Before God, I lie not. Again, because he had received it by revelation, it was therefore not from the churches in Judea. They had heard of him, but had not seen him. But what they had heard concerning him caused them to glorify God in him. Verses 21 through 24. These were the churches the false teachers were supposed to represent. False apostolic authority approved by the church at Jerusalem. The authority of Paul's gospel is also seen in the approval of the church at Jerusalem. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This church had, at the first church council ever held, declared circumcision to be unnecessary for salvation. When the grace of God was first preached at Antioch, there arose considerable discussion about the matter of circumcision. Because of the sharp difference of opinion, certain delegates were appointed to go to Jerusalem and lay the whole matter before the church there. When these delegates arrived, the church was gathered together and the question thoroughly discussed. 
The conclusion was that instead of forcing circumcision upon the Gentile believers, their faith alone should be considered sufficient. The discussion and its cause, together with the final decision, are fully recorded in Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 31, and the student is strongly urged to read the passage carefully in order to grasp Paul's meaning in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The Jerusalem church had also recognized Paul's apostolic authority when it gave to him, through its leaders, Peter and James and John, the right hand of fellowship and acknowledged that he had been appointed by the Lord to preach the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. This recognition had been given at the time of the council at Jerusalem referred to above. Paul's apostolic authority upheld, shown by his rebuke of Peter. The authority behind Paul's gospel is shown also by his rebuke of Peter, chapter 2, verse 11 through 21. Since the false teachers were supposed to represent Peter, Paul shows Peter's fallibility in that he had to be publicly rebuked. As it was Paul who administered the rebuke, his authority as an apostle, instead of being inferior to Peter's, was, if anything, even higher. The occasion for the rebuke arose when Peter visited Antioch and had fellowship with the Gentile believers there. Apparently he was quite at ease in doing so as long as none from the Jerusalem church were present, but when some from the church at Jerusalem appeared, fearing what they might think and report, he withdrew himself. He would appear before those from Jerusalem as though he did not fellowship with the Gentile Christians. Verses 11 through 13. This called forth the severe rebuke from Paul which he now records. We should remember that Paul is quoting what he had said to Peter before them all. The nature of the rebuke shows, first of all, the inconsistency of law-keeping. If it was right for Peter to live as the Gentile believers lived, why should he desire the Gentiles to live as the Jews? If Gentile living under grace, apart from the law, was good enough for Peter, was it bad for the Gentiles themselves? If Peter was free to live outside the law, was it not lawful for the Gentiles to do the same? Verse 14. In the second place, the rebuke shows the folly of law-keeping. If a Jew had to leave the law behind in order to be justified by faith and not by works of the law, why should the Gentile be brought under the law? Could the Gentile find justification under the law when the Jew had already proven that to be impossible? But as the Gentile believers were already justified by grace, it would be folly for them to turn from that to the law, which had been unable to justify the Jew. Verses 15 through 18. In the third place, the rebuke shows the error of law-keeping. Verses 19 through 21. The believer has become dead to the law, has passed out of its jurisdiction, out of its reach, beyond its sphere. The law had arrested, condemned, sentenced, and slain, verse 19, and that was all the law could do. It could only, in the very nature of the case, condemn and slay whoever stood under it, whether Jew or Gentile. 
This the law must do before any can live unto God. Therefore, there could be no hope whatever of being justified by that which could only condemn and slay. The twentieth verse states a fact that is true of every believer. It is not that we are to seek to be crucified with Christ, but we have been crucified with him, and now the principle of living is not by the law, which had slain because it had found us guilty, but by faith. The death of Christ upon the cross was not only penal, but substitutionary as well. He was not only the sacrifice for sin, but the substitute for all who believe. Paul declares that under the law he was tried, found guilty, condemned, and in the person of his substitute was slain. He therefore has nothing more to do with the law, nor has the law anything more to do with him. He is as far from the law as Christ.